Greetings. This is the YWAM Factor, a podcast about a youth with a mission team in the 1980s. Join us as we relive our adventures and talk about what God did during that time, what we learned, and how those experiences affect our lives now. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe. Now, on to the podcast. Well, hello, and welcome back to the YWAM Factor podcast. I am here with Alan. How are you doing, Alan? Hi, Jay. We're doing good. Yeah, another week gone by so fast. Yes. We've gone forward one week, and now we got to go back 35 years. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> we get farther and farther away from this, don't we? <laughs> and we just had Eid, of course. Oh, that's and right. Eid. Yeah. And yeah, it's Bakra Eid, Bakra Eid. Um, which is Eid al-Adha. Uh, and uh, so we, we ha- have had all kinds of going out and food delivered to us and it's yeah. been great. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's for those who don't know this, it's called Bakra Eid in, in India and Pakistan. It's called other things. It's kind of, they're kind of like nicknames for Eid al-Adha, right? Eid al-Adha. Yes. Yeah. And it's one of the holidays, and they sacrifice an animal on those days. It's usually a goat, uh, but mm. some of the richer people will sacrifice something bigger. I saw actually yeah. I saw a friend of ours videoed a buffalo being sacrificed yes. once. Yeah, and it's quite distressing to watch them it sacrificing. Is. It is particularly you know, when it's a big animal. Yeah, yeah, in camels even they do camels too. In, yes. in Saudi Arabia, I, I think they're, they're it's just one camel after another. But yeah. um, but do you remember Eids in in Lahore? Uh, <laughs> I I do. I'm trying. To, okay, Eids in Lahore. I'm remembering Eids in India when we were there. But um, yeah, in Lahore. Let me think. Well, like we 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 talked a couple of weeks back. I, I think it was with Cindy, and uh-huh. we talked about driving out in the little bug that we had. That we had a Volkswagen yeah. Beetle yeah. that was left hand drive, and and yeah. uh, we we used to cram into that little thing <laughs> right even on the top we had a rooftop carrier and i remember riding on the top of that thing with Chris. oh my yeah and um, and go to visit people at eat because that's what you do right? yeah yeah but what i remember about lahore in eat was the entrails the guts Really? Okay, I, I don't remember this at all. Yeah, you don't remember this. I no, I remember I, it in India with my family, but I don't remember it in Lahore. So keep talking, okay. maybe it'll come back. Yeah. Well, I I remember this most vividly and graphically from Lahore. I didn't see it so much when we were living in the north in in Islamabad and Rawalpindi, mm-hmm. but in Lahore, I do recall Eid during summer. And uh, probably the, that same summer that we did the fast, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. it was 1986, I think. Yeah. And I remember going out and because every home sacrifices an animal. Yeah. And so, right. so you have rivers of blood yeah. flowing yeah. down the streets because they all wash it out of their, their, from their, their front place wherever they're doing the sacrifice or driveway or patio or whatever yeah Usually, yeah and so you have the this this water mixed with blood flowing out into the streets yeah and down yeah. the streets yeah and of course it's over uh, it's over you know it's like 100 110 degrees fahrenheit outside yeah and then they have to get rid of the guts 
And so we would have piles of guts on the end of our street. Oh, my gosh. How come just, I don't remember this? Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember it really vividly. And some of them, like, huge piles of guts that Is have been in, kind of... In Fasseltown or New Garden Town or, or where? Um, strategic places around Fasseltown, there okay. would be a pile. Okay. And, and sometimes at the end of streets, but sometimes they would have one pile in a location. Okay. And... And of course, in 110 degree heat, those piles of guts very quickly start to rot. Oh, yeah. And the stench was awful. I, <laughs> I remember it quite vividly. Wow. I wonder why and, I don't. Um, wow. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I, I have a, a picture of a later Eid when more recently when I was in Pakistan, a picture of the street. And okay. the whole street is like a red river. Oh, my goodness. Of oh, this water flowing down that's mixed with blood. It's like a river. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you see, we saw that in, um, in the Muslim areas in India. You know, we would go to visit people and, you know, there'd be blood just running in the streets. And, and so, sometimes outside of a house, there'd be a pile of guts, you know, um, mm. and then they would skin it. They would skin it. And then the skins, they would donate to the mosque. Yes, so that's right. We would walk by the mosque and there would just be piles and piles of these goat skins there. Yeah. I mean, thousands of them. Yes. Literally yes. thousands. Yeah, yeah. Stacked up. It's wow. But I, I remember this and in Lahore and I do recall, I do recall that, that whether it was 86 or 87 or which year it was, I'm not sure. But I, I remember that the government was taking a really long time because the government has a system for collecting them. They, Okay. They go and they, I don't know how they do it, whether they have people that shovel them into skips or something, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but there was a system for collecting them, and the government was taking a long time. Mm -hmm. And so these piles of guts are just day That's by bad. day rotting, and, uh, and it was just awful. I do, I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, wow. So Eid, Eid was always, particularly Bakr Eid, was really a... a um, an amazing time to be in Lahore. Yeah. 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 I, I remember receiving meat from people. I remember getting, getting bags of meat. Uh, but I don't remember those details at all. I wonder, I wonder if I blocked them out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying to think too, of people we would have visited on Eid, uh, you know, uh, what was, um, Ashraf and Naveed, for sure, we would have visited. But I, I don't yeah, ever... Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, I don't ever remember meeting Ashraf and Naveed's parents, ever. Mm. Yeah. Um, whenever no, we I visit, don't think we did. It would just be us. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, they, we were like uh, single guys meeting, you know, we would just yeah. kind of hang out as single guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I do recall going all dressed up. I remember Cindy and Carolyn all dressed up going out for Eid in the, in the, in the, um, in the Volkswagen. And by the time we get there, we're just this crumpled <laughs> mess of sweat. Poor Cindy and Carolyn had worked so hard to make themselves look yeah, nice, and uh, yeah. we're all wearing our best iron shellwork camis. And yeah, yeah, and, and <laughs> no, it was fruitless. And air conditioning was not was not normal back then. No, it certainly wasn't in the Volkswagen we had in it in in the homes. I don't. No. I don't remember visiting no. anybody who had an AC in their home. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah I, I, even the rich people, you know, that photo we have of spending Christmas in, in yeah. somebody's home, that was a really, that was kind of like a wow home. We, yeah. I remember when we went into it. Yeah. But I don't believe they had AC. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, uh, and I don't, but I don't remember thinking, wow, this is terrible. I can't stand this. Um, I need an <laughs> AC. I don't remember thinking that. I remember being in New Garden Town and, you know, we were on the upper floor, so it got really yes. hot. And yes. I would wrap myself up in a wet sheet and lay under the fan. And that just felt <laughs> so good. But it, you, it dried like 30 seconds. Yeah, dry. yeah that's right. Yeah. yeah, And then you're just sweating with this yeah. sheet around you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. We would lie down. I, I remember, I don't know if we've talked about this, but uh, forgive us for repeating if we are. Yeah, but, we're getting um, to the point where I, we're not quite sure whether we've said this before <laughs> or not. But yeah. But I do remember in our room, because in 500B, uh, the first house that we rented in, in Lahore, um, we guys, the single guys lived in the upstairs room. And I just remember going to bed one night and it was so hot. It was so hot. And you just lie under the fan. We'd all have our beds strategically yeah. placed yeah. <laughs> so that we could get a bit of fan each. Because yeah, there was no. one in the middle of the ceiling, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you just lie down. And I remember, I very vividly remember lying down thinking and thinking, this feels like, the bed feels like somebody's just done their ironing on it. Oh, <laughs> and it's like, it just oh, felt gosh. like lying on an ironing board. It was so hot. Yeah, yeah. And, and um how we slept, I just don't know. You know, yeah. Yeah, we would do stuff like that. We would throw water on the bed and, yeah. and um, wow, well, it was hot. I remember sleeping outside on that big balcony we had uh, at, at New Garden Town. I remember dragging yes. my bed out there. Oh, yeah, we did. There. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. And we yeah. had a big uh, water cooler, too, that, that, you know, which worked when it was, when it, when it was dry, like, like June. May and June. Yes. As soon as it got humid, that didn't work at all. Yeah, and, because yeah. they're water. Yeah, they're they're yeah. they're water driven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we'd re wheel that out there too, and, and blow that on us as we're laying there outside, and and that yeah. that helped, I think. I I just yeah. remember it being so much cooler outside than it was inside. Yeah. Yes. The cement walls heat up, and they're like a yeah. kiln inside baking yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I remember every day having. Uh, I don't know if we've said this. I don't think I have, but I, I remember we would have boiled eggs. Uh, we would have salad stuff, and we would have salad, boiled egg sandwiches almost every day for yeah. lunch to go. Yeah. So we got our greens. Yeah, and we got yeah. our protein from the eggs. Yeah, and, yeah. and um, it's a good yeah. thing you were thinking about that because I wasn't thinking about my nutrition at all. Yeah. <laughs> And I enjoyed those sandwiches. Those sandwiches were good. And we'd eat, we'd eat like a whole loaf of bread at one sitting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, four guys, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> four young guys. And I remember exercising, trying to exercise. Okay. I know so much more about exercise now. I, I, the stuff yeah. I was doing then, it was kind of like, why did I bother? They were more like stretches than exercise. But we're also skinny anyway. Yeah, I know. Well, I we think, didn't have to I lose think, weight. Yeah. I think we were trying to put on muscle because we were so skinny. 
I, 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 I have this picture of you and David. I think I've mentioned this before. I'm going to say it again. Um, laying on the floor in 500B in that big front room, and you're both asleep. And you're really skinny, but then your stomachs are like sticking out. It's like, <laughs> like these, like malnourished, yeah, white, yeah, yeah. It looks like those, <laughs> those pictures you see of those children with those big bellies. Yeah, <laughs> I wish I could find that. I know I have it somewhere. So I'm yeah, I, I have a, I have a re- remembrance of that, and and uh, maybe it was Chris, Carolyn, and and Cindy. It sounds like something they would do. They would come in and. And, and point out our sticky out bellies. <laughs> yeah, I remember them talking about it. At that, and they were so picture. they were yeah. so peeved because we could lie there without any shirt on. Yeah. But of course, they couldn't. They they had to keep yeah. their their Sherlock Holmes on all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, it kind of talking about the heat and everything kind of brings brings you know the idea of suffering to my mind, Mm. you know, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't look back at that time and think, boy, I really suffered. I I don't Mm. have these memories of, I just can't stand this. I I remember, but I do remember times of emotional suffering where I was like, what am I doing? Or am I being effective? Or what, why, why am I here? I remember having thoughts like that. And, uh, uh, you know, and that that was that was significant, I think, for a lot of us. Um, mm. And you'd mentioned before, Alan, that you you had felt um, very. Uh, there were times like we we talked at the beginning of of, of this podcast about you. Uh, I think we recorded it, but you. I, I'm sorry if we didn't, <laughs> and you don't want it on the recording. But you talked about how you you um, kind of held everything in in your own head. And you didn't really process things with other people. And so, yes, that's right. And you'd mentioned that it was very hard for you in some situations, not having money or whatever was was going Mm. on. And I was never aware of that. I was never aware. It wasn't, yeah. Well, that's like I said, you know, it was, it was actually an interaction with John one time that woke me up to that because I didn't realize that I did it, Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, I would only share my, once once I felt like I had victory over a particular struggle I was having, mm-hmm. then I would share it with the group okay. and say, you okay. know, oh, yeah. I was feeling really hard about uh, it was a really difficult time for me, but uh-huh. now God's shown me or God's done this or, or you know, this has happened and it's, and it's helped me through. Okay, so you and wanted I to resolve it in your own head yeah. or you brought it, brought it to And I didn't even realize I was doing that. Okay. And then one ta- one day, John came up to me. I remember after I'd shared something like that, uh-huh. and he said to me, "You know, why didn't why did you not let us know that you were struggling that way? Mm-hmm. You know, we we would have prayed with you. We could have helped you. We could have encouraged you." And and uh, it was then that I realized, oh yeah, you know, this is what I'm doing. I'm really depriving our team of of the opportunity of of being a support to one another. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and it helped me realize that, yeah. um, that, that, you know, uh, it's not just me and God, that yeah. it's, it's really all of us together in this. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's been, that's been, that notion I think has been very formative for me. I, I, I make a point now of trying to share when I'm, when I'm going through struggles so that uh, everybody knows for one thing, 
but also that I can get the support and it's team building. It really yeah. is team building yeah. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think, isn't it weird? We, we kind of go from one extreme to the other extreme. I mean, there's people who share everything, you know, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then there's people who don't share anything at all. And, yeah. and that's, uh, that's interesting to me. I don't know where I fall on that spectrum myself. I think I probably am more like you in the sense that I, I kind of like to, to not, I kind of like to be self-sufficient. I mean, that's the American in me. You know, I want to I want to do things myself without any help. And I do. Mm. Heather and I both want to do that, actually, even even with our flat in Delhi right now. You know, we're thinking how if we can't go back, how are we going to, you know, close that up if we can't go yes. back in? And yeah. we're probably going to have to ask somebody there to help us. And it's a yeah. little bit um, embarrassing for me. There's nothing we can do about it. It's not really our fault but it's kind of embarrassing mm. to have to ask for help. Mm. It's one of the cross-cultural lessons that I, I'm trying, I'm constantly trying to implement in that um, when, when we are working cross-culturally and trying to build relationships cross-culturally, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, particularly in, South a- in a South Asian context, but I think it's probably general throughout Asia and the Middle East, um, it helps to be a dependent person mm-hmm. and not an independent person mm-hmm. um, in, wow. that, in that you make yourself dependent upon people and look for ways that you can, that you can garner help from others yeah. because what that does is it endears you to the culture and to the people that you're among yeah. and it shows them... Uh, first of all, it puts you in the position of a learner, and yeah. that you are you are trying to to um, you're recognizing that you lack, that you don't know it all, you don't have the resources, you don't have the connections, mm-hmm. and can you help me in in this problem that I'm having? Yeah, and so you get so garnering help from those around you with the problems that you face. Mm-hmm. Whereas my natural tendency is to look for every way that I can work it out for yeah. myself. Yeah. And then if I can't work it out myself, then reluctantly I'll go to someone else yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and try, try and get help. Especially if you're really in trouble. When you get to the point yeah. where I, I, can't, uh, I can't do this by myself, I'm getting in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, you wait. And my, my wife is really good at seeing things like this. And, and, you know, a perfect example, it's a much more recent example, but it's something that I think, started out i started learning back then in the lahore days mm-hmm. um and that that was our one of our neighbors here well first of all our lawnmower broke down okay and uh, where we where we live we have seven lawns and it takes almost three hours to mow them all <laughs> and our lawnmower broke down we didn't have a lawnmower our lawns growing and growing we didn't have uh, any way of cutting them yeah and liz said why don't we just ask a neighbor to borrow their lawnmower? She said, the neighbor across the road is, is um, I hear, hear him mowing his lawn. Yeah. And so, I, oh, yeah, you know, it took her a while to convince me <laughs> to go and ask her help. Yeah. No, finally, for me too. Yeah. But finally, I went over there and I said, look, our lawnmower's broken down. Do you think I can borrow your lawn? They were over the moon. Yeah. And they said, sure, you can borrow. And you know what? That, that act has 
has um, brought us into relationship with that family. Yeah. And and yeah. now we are, and now we are, um, we mix with them. They brought us food at Eid. Oh, we got wow. a lovely big tray of biryani from them and a wow. box of yeah. box of matai, box of sweets. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so, so um, yeah, being vulnerable, you know, I think is a key when it comes to cross-cultural relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're. And that's something that I learned way back, started learning way back in 1986 from John Baker. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the, um, yeah, I was just reading an email from somebody the other day, and he was talking about uh, needs in, in, in some of the countries that, that our company works in. And he said, and we need to always remember that it's the local people who know what the needs are. It's not you. Uh, mm. And so we need to ask those questions from them. Mm. And uh, you're not going in as the great white hope, as I don't know, somebody called it that, the great white hope. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you're going in to let them tell you what they need. And, and so yes. there's, there's an element of letting go in that aspect of it too it's like you need to let go of your expectations and you need Mm. you're there to serve other people and their needs and expectations and oftentimes what they need is not what you really want to give (laughs) and so yeah it's uh it's um it's very very it's a very good lesson to learn to be vulnerable to people and to yeah one one of my lecturers at fuller um bryant myers uh-huh. Um, he's a great guy, um, a lot of experience with world vision. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was his message was okay. really, and uh, I, did we talk about this before? I don't I'm, think so. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't okay. remember. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he said, you know, that when, when we're trying to help people cross culturally, we can go in, like you said, kind of like the great white hope, mm-hmm. kind of like the, the expert that yeah. we go in and, we know the problem. We've got the solution. Yeah. Um, we can work it all out. Yeah. And, um, and he challenged us and said, and said, not only are you not the great white hope, not only are you not the one that knows all the answers, yeah. but you don't know the answers in a way that they understand. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and he challenged us and said, what kind of message are you wanting to bring? And if you're going as a believer, as, a, as somebody who is a believer in an omnipotent and omniscient God who, who, um, who has the solution for, for these people um, yeah. and wants to use you to, to be a part of that, then why are you never mentioning this omnipotent, omnipotent and omniscient God? Yeah. Why are you going in saying your problem is that you have bad water? Your problem is that yeah. you need a latrine. Yeah. Your problem is that you um, that uh, you you need you know a change in this that or the other yeah. thing. Yeah. And we approach problems scientifically um, rather than spiritually. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and well, so, so that was a great, that was a great yeah. challenge to me. Yeah. There's a book that I read um, that talked about I've talked about the 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 way that the Western cultures like ours approach things often is very scientific, you know. Mm. And and he told a story. 
he told a story about uh, a village guy in India or somewhere in Indonesia, maybe Indonesia, walking home one night from his job and it was dark and he saw a group of people around the fire and he thought, oh, I'm not going to get home in time. So I'm going to go over to this fire and be with these people. And so he's with them and he looked in, you know, and they're talking and stuff and he looked down at their feet and their feet were the wrong on the wrong way that right foot was where the left foot was supposed to be and the left foot was where the right foot was supposed to be and he realized they were gins and uh, the fire when he realized it they they looked at him and they grabbed him and the fire went up really high and then he blacked out and didn't wake up for three days later and uh, they found him and took him home and put him in his bed he didn't wake up for three days he was in a coma and when he woke up he told the story and okay, what's what's your reaction to that? It's like, oh, he must have dreamed it, you know that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? Or, or you know. But it was very, very real to him, you know. Uh-huh. He, he, yeah. yeah, And so there are spiritual forces at work that we're oh, often yeah. more willing to write them off with scientific explanations, like he was dreaming yes. or hallucinating. There was opium yes. in the fire, you know. You know, we can yes. come up with any number of those those reasons. Yes, but uh, but we do try and explain them scientifically. We do. It's we our do. first. It's our first reaction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whereas a whereas a Pakistani will say, "Well, it was a jinn." Yeah. What is there to explain? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, that's amazing. And you know, just to add salt to that, um, during my my degree at Fuller. One of the things we had to explore was was spiritual phenomena um, okay. from different different cultures, yeah. and uh, I went. We went. My wife and I went uh, to Little Arabia in okay. in in L.A. Okay, and um, and we were just. I was interviewing people to find out what their perspective was. So these are Americans, right? Yeah, they are American Arabs. Yeah, but they are Americans. Uh-huh. And we went into a shop and spoke to one guy, and uh, you know, as American as American can be, he didn't sound like an Arab at all. Yeah, yeah. But I asked him what what was his experience, and he went on reluctantly at first, uh-huh. you know, until he realized I really wanted to know. Yeah. But but he went on and narrated to me this whole story of of jinns his out of his own experience uh-huh. uh-huh and and what he had seen and there's all this supernatural stuff yeah that he had seen and experienced uh a, a possession all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. and um and so that's that's very much a part of the dna or the 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 emotional spiritual makeup of of middle eastern and south and south asian people yeah Definitely. Do, do you yeah. remember for yourself any experiences like that that we had when we were in South Asia? I mean, did you have any, you know, John Wimber called it a power encounter, you know, where, yeah. where God's power comes against Satan. Uh, but Well, we talked a little bit about their experiences in the churches in yeah. India. Yeah. There was also the church, the experience of a teammate who, who, yeah. yeah who was really, that was that quite was, difficult for us. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, we probably can't share too many details, but, but the, the person was really um, traumatized by, traumatized, by yeah. uh, uh, demons. Yeah. And, and, um, and we ended up him once and, and he was actually writing out contact information for us to uh, contact people when he died, because he was dying. Yes. Yeah. Cause he thought he was going to die. Yeah. And it was, uh, we had no idea how to, how to handle it. No, not at all. Yeah. And we just kept praying for him. We kept trying to reassure him, mm-hmm. um, you know, that we're here with him and he's not going to die and he's okay. And, yeah. Yeah. and we, I think we probably got a doctor in to see him. I'm sure we took um, him to the doctor. Yeah. 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 But he, he ended but up fleeing the country. Valium, I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So that that was, you know, and, and I've had personal experiences of, uh, uh-huh. of, you know, that I won't go into, but but because you know we don't want to dramatize too much, but right, right. Yeah. you know, the demonic, the the dark side, <laughs> yeah. is very real, <laughs> very real, very real. Yeah, I was I was talking to somebody a couple of days ago about some of the experiences we had in India. And as I was talking about some of the, like the demonic experiences, you know, I started feeling, I have this feeling that, that I get when I talk about demonic activity or when I, and, and it's, it's a gross feeling, you know, and it, and it comes when I talk about it and I hadn't had it in a long time because I haven't really, you know, working with Muslims, you don't see that kind of dramatic stuff in, in the same way you would with a Hindu. I, and again, mm, that's that's yes. another that's another topic to explore. Is why do you see? Yes, it? yes, yeah. But but um, I had that feeling, you know, and, and you don't want to give because one one of the things I heard somebody say once is that the Satan likes to show off. Yeah, so yeah, that's right. That are very dramatic, levitate people, or do you know do things like that that are people are like, a, you know, really yeah. aghast and and wonder at seeing. But in reality, it's just a show. Yeah, it's got yeah. Because we we were we were talking last week about some of the stories that that were shared in our SOE with Tom, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and those kind of things, you know, they're so dramatic. They grab your attention and make it. It, it can get you all. Um, oh, well, I want to see some. I want to see what what goes on, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. Really, it, it, they, these are tools of fear and 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 oppression that, that the enemy uses. And right. The and great thing is that Jesus sets people free from that. That's the thing. And one of the things I really wanted to do at the beginning of our SOE is is cast demons out of people. I was like, that would be so <laughs> cool to do that. And we had an experience in a slum. I don't know if you were there or not. We may have even talked about it uh, with some kids. And uh, we, Betty went to pray for one and it collapsed. And we had, we had a demonic experience there and we were praying and the demons left. But after that experience, I felt like I'd just been doused in sewage. I just felt so disgusting and gross. And it lasted for a couple weeks. And it was even difficult to eat during that period of time. Wow. No, I don't remember that, Jake. Okay. Okay. And... Yeah, it was a very dramatic experience where the kids were screaming in English at us and stuff. That was, uh, uh, it was just very, 
disgusting. But but it wasn't cool. Is is my point? And and at the yes, time, I thought yes. it'd be really cool to go around and have this ministry of just delivering people from demons. But in actuality, yeah. this is a very very gross experience. This yes. is something yeah. disgusting. We hope you're enjoying the YWAM Factor. If you are, let us know by hitting that subscribe button. And uh, yes. I came away from that realizing that, but I had to experience it first. Yes. And yeah, it's the power of God that's that 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 is um, worth being odd about. Yeah, having awful. Yeah, the great thing is that you know Jesus. You can pray for people in Jesus' name, and that can just be over in a second. Yeah, and and, and that's what's really impressive. That the <laughs> power of Jesus' name is. Yeah, it's just I, I will watch. Well, I haven't watched a whole lot of horror movies in my life. I've heard a lot about them, and one of them is well, The Exorcist, for example. I've never seen it. But I know that they spent a lot of time in that movie with this priest doing these incantations and her head spinning around and stuff like that. And he never says, come out in the name of Jesus. It's like, yes. all you need to do is say, come out in the name of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But using yeah, that's right. The power of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But um, no, in, in terms of um, encounters, yeah, I guess we did. Do you remember... Do you remember the we saw a naked man? <laughs> Do you remember that? Well, uh, I no, I don't remember that. What you're talking about? We were driving. We were driving in the Beetle. I'm pretty sure it yeah. was. Okay. And I can't remember who was in the car, but we were going somewhere, and we were going round a roundabout, and there was this huge naked man. <laughs> just walking that. walking around he was he was whether he was he was mentally handicapped whether he was demon possessed we we had no idea yeah but there he was of course we had this discussion do you think he was probably demon possessed do you think you know what do you think was that that was about yeah um but the the amazing thing was that nobody paid any attention to him yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's just like for us we're oh, like oh my god oh yeah there's a there's the naked guy again <laughs> <laughs> and um we just uh i'm i'm it wasn't a long experience you know because we were driving yeah so, you, you so, won't but, buy him. yeah yeah but we all saw him and um and we noticed that, that nobody's kind of looking at this guy that is like, like they knew who he, they must have known who he was yeah yeah but there he was massive he was he was must have been about six foot tall and and a big big guy you know and there he was walking around naked <laughs> in pakistan of all places <laughs> yeah oh boy i don't know if anyone else will remember that but i remember it very clearly yeah. well, it's, it's, it's funny the things we remember we all remember Something's really yeah. made an impression on us. I guess that naked man made a bigger impression on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's not something you see. You you barely see any skin in Pakistan. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so yeah. In India, it's guy. different. It's different. You will see naked Hindu guys walking around with right, right, yeah. Stuff. And, <laughs> but not. It's not normal. But you you, you see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember going back. Um, uh, I can't remember who I was with. Uh, we were going to a conference, I think, and we actually went to visit the Taj Mahal. 
it was before I was married, so it must okay. have been with maybe us as the team. Did you do you remember going and visiting the Taj Mahal with us together? No, the first time I, I visited it was with my family. Uh, okay. So it was been in So I can't remember yeah. who I was with, but yeah. I, I remember going to visit the Taj Mahal. We'd come from Pakistan to Delhi and okay. we were driving from Delhi down to Agra in a okay. bus or something to see the Taj Mahal. Okay. And um, and I remember on the way, we were we were looking, uh, we were looking at, at um, just the scenery as we drove, and there in the middle of the road was this animal I could see up in front of us, and I was we we're getting closer and I'm thinking, what is that? It's not a cow, it's not a dog, and as we got closer, it's a pig, and I remember I was in. <laughs> I was in the bus and I said, as loud, I, it was way out in this loud voice, it's a pig! Because <laughs> we never see pigs yeah. in Pakistan. No, know? no, never. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody turns around and looks at this foreigner as though, as though he's crazy, you know. But yeah, that was funny. And um, seeing my first pig for such a long time, I was shocked. <laughs> the only time in India we saw pigs were in the Muslim areas. I think Heather used to say, well, they go to the Muslim areas because they know they're safe. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the cows are all in the, in the Hindu areas. That's right. That's true. <laughs> they figured it out, yeah. man. They're smarter than we think. <laughs> yeah. 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 But in terms of getting back to suffering, yeah. yeah. Um, for yeah. me, for me, leaving, uh, I think I've mentioned before that leaving in uh, Japan was a very big deal for me because mm. I love Japan and mm. I didn't want to leave Japan. And you've never and been back, right, since then? Not since my SOFM, no. Okay, yeah. I was back, I was back for three months, but that was all. I'd already been there for two years by that time. Okay, yeah. And um, I'd been in Pakistan, sorry, for two years. Okay. So... Um, when I left Japan, I always, I left on this adventure, you know, it was, it was very much led by God. We're going to this exotic place, Pakistan, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, you know, land of the Arabian Nights and all of that. That was all yeah. in my mind, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. The, that we're going there. And, um, and then when I got there, it, it was, I found it just the people to be so aggressive. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, that was my impression. It's kind of like these people are are just really in your face kind of people. And there was the hospitality aspect, which was which I've already shared. I found suspicious. Yeah. Uh huh. But so did I? But yeah. I also found them to be a very a very bold kind of in your face people, okay. and that didn't rub well with me. Okay. I, I found that difficult at first. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and and so I didn't like the culture. Mm -hmm. I, I was kind of put off by it. Mm -hmm. uh, and for I, I would say it would be up to the first two years, maybe when I went back to to um, Japan for the SOFM. It took yeah. probably up until that time for me to reconcile to myself that this is where God wanted me. I wasn't going to go back to Japan. Yeah. You know, I always thought I'm going to go back there. 
because I loved it. I loved the culture, loved the uh, food, loved yeah. the people, everything. Yeah. 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 And, um, and so I was, I really had to dig into God. I remember that saying to God, I want to go back. You know, I just don't like it here. It's not, it's, it's hard work, you know, learning the language is hard. I already had Japanese. Yeah. Um, and, and um, you wow. know, getting to know people is difficult and they just want to argue all the time and they want to, they just want to convert me, you know, to yeah. Islam. And yeah. that was the whole point. And that was and, the thing I, I, I was shocked by is how aggressively they wanted to convert us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I really struggled and I had to ask God, um, and I don't know how much of this I shared with the team or not, but I, I, I had to ask God, God, if you want me to stay here, you've got to give me a love for these people. Yeah. And, um, and to be honest, that's what God did. He just mm-hmm. changed my heart and, and um, gave me what I needed, the, the love, the respect yeah. for the people yeah. And I think Ashraf and Naveed were a big part of that for me. Yeah. Yeah. They really Two helped me to Yeah. Yeah. They were close friends and and they helped me to love the Pakistani people. Yeah. There was a But it took a while. It took yeah. a while. Yeah, no, I, I remember being shocked at, at at how aggressively they wanted to convert us to Islam. I did not expect that. But I also kind of expected us to go in with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and everybody would be like, oh, thank you. Oh, we've been waiting to hear this. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like that. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. and uh, that, 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 that disillusion, I was a little bit disillusioned by that. And mm. I had this great news of salvation for these people, and they didn't want it. Mm. Uh, yeah. They didn't know they needed it. And and yeah, it was that. That was hard for me to to swallow. Mm. And what I didn't realize at the time that I realize now is that that the soil does need to be prepared. You know, if you cast your seed onto on on uh, unprepared soil, it just nothing happens. It gets choked out. Yes. You know, the parable of the sower. And yeah. so, preparing the ground is important. And yeah, you got to get rid of the rocks. Yeah, yeah, you really do. Yeah. And that was, and there's uh, a number of rocks too when you're talking about Islam. You know those those misconceptions about about what Christians believe that are, right. that get in the way of everything. I, I was I was speaking with a friend this morning who brought up the same thing. You know, it's always the that Je- Jesus yeah. is Je- Jesus is God's son, and Christians believe that. And and um, you know, I had to gently say to him you know we don't believe that jesus is god's physical son you know <laughs> right yeah. but it's that same misconception that has uh, and that's just one of them i know they yeah. believe in three gods god god the father jesus and mary is what they yeah say. yeah and not only i mean not only is that wrong but it's it's also it's also wrong. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they believe it's wrong. Them. It's wrong and abhorrent at the same time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you, you get the same arguments over and over again. And I, it's almost mm. like they're taught that, and I'm sure they were mm. some apologists. Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was hard mm. to deal with with people like that. To deal with people who are really 
antagonistic almost towards, towards mm. us and towards the gospel. But I think it, it drove us. It drove us to know our own faith better. Oh, it certainly um, did. Yeah. 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 We, we, we had to, you couldn't just come and say, well, Jesus loves you. And if you, if you pray this prayer, you could, you could belong to him too. And uh, they, they would go, really? <laughs> oh, I want this. Yeah. 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 So, so we had to, we had to really know what we believed and, and, um, and had to be convinced of what we believed because we had people that were trying to show us where our beliefs had faults. And, yeah. Yeah. And so, so, you know, that's where, for me anyway, my experience with God, my, my own personal encounters with God being a, yeah. a, a living, a living God yeah. who, who, who interacts with me. Mm-hmm. That, that became my, my strength. Yeah. That, that I knew God as someone who speaks yeah. and, and who, um, who is personal with me. Yeah. And that, that for me, that's what sustained me. If I didn't, if I didn't have any personal encounter with God, I would have been mincemeat. I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking that I was thinking myself, my, my, when that happened, when I started being challenged and thinking, I don't know the answers to these questions. I, I, my, my natural tendency was, well, then, you know, there's obviously answers to these, so I need to find them, you know, whereas I think some people go the other direction. It's like, oh, yeah, well, what I believed really does have holes in it. Okay, well, mm. I guess it's not true. I'll go do something else or I'll believe something mm. else. Mm. And that's, unfortunately, I think a lot of, lot of young people in, in America, that happens too when they go to college, is they don't get the foundation of, of a personal relationship with Jesus that you hold on to, even in the midst mm. of it, attacks or doubts. And so yes. when, when, when they hear things for the first time, they, you know, that uh, seem to dispute the truth of Christianity, um, they, mm. they just let go of it. Yeah. Mm. I think so, so much of uh, Western faith um, um, is cerebral yeah. and, and it's all based on, on this, this set of, of posits that we say, you know, Jesus yeah. died on the cross and we can rhyme off the gospel, yeah. um, but it's never touched our heart. Yeah. And, and it's never been real to us. We've never been confronted with a living God. Yeah. And, um, and so unless, uh, unless we, we, are, um, we are the kind of people that, that are not satisfied with, with a mediocre faith, that faith can be shaken so, so easily. Yeah, it can. You know? it can. And uh, I'm so thankful that, that, that my very first encounter with God was God speaking to me. Yeah, and um, cool. and I always I always go back to that and and that is the time that 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 I realized God is more than just the nice guy in the sky, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah. and um, realize that wow, God, you speak, and yeah. um, and you expect stuff of me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um. So that that was. 
I'm very, very thankful for for that strong foundation that I have in in personal encounter with a living God. Yeah, uh, yeah. and um, and I encourage that whenever I'm talking with people, you know, I, I ask them how how do you know God is real? Yeah, um, because so many have been brought up in the church or feel like they they are. Um, they're living on on tradition, living on on yeah. um, on this culture, yeah. the this Christian culture that they've grown up in. Uh-huh. Right, they and, uh, that's not enough. It's not enough, especially when you're ripped out of it and put in another. Yeah. That <laughs> that's right. That doesn't know anything about what you grew up with. Yeah, yeah. We we should send everybody to Lahore for a year. <laughs> Well, I remember you saying that to uh, that German guy that you don't remember at Mother Teresa's home. Where oh, really? He, he, he asked you, uh, um, who's closer to God, me or you? And your oh, answer yeah, yeah. Was, was, I am because I know him, which is a mm-hmm. very true answer, right? Yeah. I mean, you didn't like yeah. that answer, but, but it yeah. was very, and that shows where, where you're coming from and where you were mm-hmm. and where you are coming from. Is that it's, it's a relationship. It's not. It's not based on uh, uh, tradition. Tradition's good, yes. you know. Even in your family yes. relationships, you have traditions that you do. But yes, it's the personal relationship that's important. Yes. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So what other suffering did we have? Um, well, did in you ever feel leaving? Did you ever feel like the heck with this? I'm out of here. I, I can't remember, to be honest with you, Jay. Um, okay. I, I, I know, like that time that I, I just, it, I wanted to go back to Japan. That, that yeah. was yeah. more of a, a hope, a desire, uh, um, something that, because I love Japan. Yeah. But um, I don't recall ever thinking, this is it, I'm leaving and not coming back. Yeah, um, you know. I was a very driven person right up until I met my wife. Uh Um, I was so one-eyed about wanting to go to Pakistan and be there and do what God had called me to do. Yeah. And and I remember it was quite difficult for me. I was challenged by a leader um, who said, you know, now that you're getting married, you can't just, it's not just your call anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know? You've got to you've got to be willing to work this thing out with your wife. Yeah, and yeah, and, um, and I took that to heart, and I realized that, and I I thought, well, that means that we've got to lay everything down and seek God for what it means for us as a couple. Yeah, and for, that was a big deal for me because I had been so one-eyed. Yeah, I, yeah. I was like, I it's Pakistan or bust. Yeah. <laughs> Well, my, my whole plan was to go back to the States, get through college as quick as I could and get back to Pakistan. You know, I was thinking three years, three years tops, you know? Yeah. And, um, no, it didn't work that way. It was, well, I went back in, in 88 and didn't get back to the field really to the Muslim world until 2002. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, and partially, I guess you could say that, you know, because of our, because of our strong commitment, as a team and individually being there, we sowed a lot of time and effort mm-hmm. into those first years in, in Lahore yeah. and Islamabad. 
And so you don't give that up easily. It's no. it's kind of like I, I, I once, I can't remember if I read it or was having a conversation with someone, but it's kind of like people and cults. Yeah. Um, and you could say the same for any faith. Yeah. Once you've invested a whole lot of emotional energy into believing something, it's very hard to step back from it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's the same with call as well. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, I, I have to check myself sometimes and ask myself the question, why am I a Christian? Yeah. Is it, is it because I've got yourself. 35 years of investment? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I exercise in the morning with two Catholic guys, right? Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, and I, I Catholics are, are, are fine in my book. You know, there was a period of time where I thought Catholics were of the devil, but I, I, I don't think that anymore. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, um, you know, and I told him, one of them, it's like, there's a lot of depths of the Catholic faith. There's this depth that uh, in, in history and tradition that, that Protestants don't have. And I, and I said, so if, if I wasn't so invested into being a Protestant, you know, I might consider Catholicism at this point, you know, and mm. in that's, I think, I think that's, um, we get to that point where we have, we are so invested in this that we yeah. end up doing it by rote or um, by, yes. by just because it's the way we've always done it, which is, yes. which is really interesting because that's yes. exactly what we were trying to avoid. Uh, at the beginning, we're not going to be, you know, seminaries are called cemeteries, you know, we're not going to be like those people. Uh, yes, yes. But you kind of, you kind of end up there if you don't inject fresh new, new, uh, I guess, fresh new revelation into your faith. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I remember when we got to Lahore, uh, we did mention earlier of how we had some negative reaction from some of the uh some of the mission community yeah uh, on the some of the things we were doing and rightly so they were they were concerned you know about what we were doing but i remember my own attitude of heart uh -huh. to towards them yeah which was which was these guys have been here too long yeah you yeah. know yeah. they've they they are not open to anything new and a very prideful attitude. Yeah, yeah. You know, and... Uh, oh, and yeah, I had the same attitude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah, we did that newsletter we talked about before, that Westward Bound newsletter. I, I know yes. I have that. I need to find that because I think it'd be interesting. Yeah, I'd, I would love to see that again. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's so true. Uh, it's uh, the, this whole, it's a part of the human condition that once we invest in something, body and soul, um, it's very hard to step back from it. And, and some, you know, people ask questions, you know, how with the Jim Jones tragedy in, in where was it, Guyana or something? Yeah. Um, how was it? That, how could so many people allow themselves to be, to be um, you know, to take poison and kill themselves? Yeah. How can it be possible? And, um, you know, it's, it's true. It's kind of like the frog in, the frog in hot water, you know, yeah. we, yeah, we immerse ourselves in something for long enough, and and we believe it, and we apply our faith to it. We apply our emotion to it. It's you can convince yourself of anything. 
Yeah. And yeah. so that's why I asked myself the question, quite, you know, why am I a Christian? Yeah. And yeah. is it because I've been immersed in it for 35 years? Yeah. And, um, yeah. and it brings me back to, to the point of saying, no, it's because I know God. It's because, God, you're a part of my life. And, yeah. and um, yeah. yeah, and, and daily sustaining me and, uh, and yeah. go back to God, basically. Yeah. And, mm. and, and speaking and providing and all these things you know, that he does, mm. uh, and you have to remind yourself of those things. And then yes, I have to remind yeah. myself of, you know, not, not ju judging other Christians who, who I don't think are putting their all into their faith, you know, yes. because what that, yes. is, what that comes back to is I'm probably feeling something about my faith <laughs> that I'm yeah. not happy with if I'm judging somebody yes. else. And so, yeah, that's right. The whole log in your own eye sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I don't remember ever. I, the thing that drove me, um, first, I remember very specifically in Japan, a prayer time when uh, Janice prayed for me and she gave me a verse. It's the first time I had anybody prayed and then spoke a verse of scripture over me. Isaiah 41.10, do not fear for I'm with you. Do not anxiously look about you because I'm your God. I will strengthen mm. you. I will help you. I, I, and I thought, and that was just so right on for me at that time. And it's and, obviously sustained you because yeah. you still know it. I know it by heart. Yeah. Surely yeah. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. It was a promise to me. Yeah. And, and just having that to go on and, and hearing God that way and having God give me something like that mm. uh, has sustained me. And so, and so it, it was a turning point for me. And what really drove me was knowing that call, knowing God was with me, knowing, you know, how did I, how did, how did I get to Japan? How did I get on this team? You know, mm. how, did, how did all mm. these things come together? And then the other thing that really drove me was my relationships with everybody on the team. I did not want to let people down on that team. Oh, right, right. I wanted to, uh, I felt a real camaraderie, a real loyalty, a real connection with everybody. Mm. And, uh, it was a great team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even when most people, you know, like Chris and the, those left, and it was just David and you and John and I, I mean, we were still very, very close and supportive yeah. of one another and Cindy and, and, and Carolyn. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. they were, we were um, just good together. We've yeah. said it before, but, you know, that doesn't happen often. No, yeah. You get teams like that. Yeah, and I think in my experience with teams since then, I realized just how how tight we were and how because mm. uh, I mean for you to walk away from that experience and not remember really any whole lot of conflict, that's uh, <laughs> you know that's something. Yeah, um, because of course it could be Alzheimer's. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've wondered that, Alan. It's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, careful, Jay. You know, you've got nothing to stop stop the brain cells escaping I know, there. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, um, I was, when when we were when you were talking a little while ago, I was thinking, you know, there were there were things I struggled with in 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 the horror. One was people. I would leave my stuff all over the place, and people really gave me a hard time about that until I. You know, when I changed, I did change. 
another thing uh-huh. is I went through a period of time where I just didn't want to comb my hair. And I just kind of let my hair kind of stick out all over the place. In, in Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. I remember Ara saying, Jay, why don't you comb your hair? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't care. I didn't care at all at that point. I think there was just too much other stuff going on that I was mm. trying to adjust to. But I don't have that problem now. So it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, you know, I, one of the weird things I remember is shampoo. I, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, buying shampoo was always a deal. Um, because I didn't have much money and, and I wanted to buy shampoo. And I remember, and the, the shampoo in Pakistan, the, like the, the stuff that's uh, made in country mm-hmm. was rubbish. You know, it was yeah, like real yeah. rubbish. Yeah. And, and I remember I would go into the bazaar in Lahore somewhere. I can't remember where. And I found this big, I would get these big bottles of Old Spice shampoo uh, and uh, you know everybody knows what old spice yeah, is so yeah. it smells nice and it yeah. was it was nice to use and uh, i i still remember the price it was 900 rupees oh my goodness which that's is a lot a then. huge amount yeah and i would make this bottle it was a big bottle yeah and i would make this bottle of of or maybe maybe it was 90 rupees no it was probably 90 yeah 900 sounds too much yeah. Well, I don't know how many rupees was it like seven rupees to the dollar or something back then, something like that. No, no, it was more than that. It was okay. it was like 20, 20 to thirty somewhere around okay. there. Okay, okay, yeah, I don't remember. So, but it, it's still like like four or five dollars, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a lot. and that was a lot of money yeah. for 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 me at that time. But I remember finding these bottles, and I would always go, and every time we went to the bazaar, I'd try and try and get. A bottle of this shampoo, yeah. but it's so strange. I don't know why I remember that. But there you go. Do you remember? Do you remember John? His face and lips and everything breaking out, and he couldn't figure out what no. it was. And, no. Okay. There's two things I want to mention about John here. I probably had to have him on again. But um, one was that, and he we couldn't figure out. He would scab, and it would it swell and break out around it, just around oh, his mouth. Wow. And he tried different things, shampoos, not using shampoo. The doctor told him not to use shampoo. There was that Australian doctor there. I don't know if you remember that doctor, but no, I don't. Um, okay, he, he was with another org, but he uh, he told John to stop using shampoo for a while and see, and it didn't go away and didn't go away. And finally, we figured out it was mangoes. He was allergic to mangoes. He'd been eating oh. mangoes, and it was making his oh, face wow. break out. And he was writing home once. And he he was writing his mother, and he and he said, you know, my um my lips are breaking out. He said, and it's really uncomfortable. But I'm trying to count my blessings because some people don't have lips at all. <laughs> That's so John. Doesn't that sound like him? It uh, does. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and oh then, there was another, then there was another time when and i just remember he and i but i don't know if you were there tell me if you remember this a fancy car pulls up in front of 500b and this pakistani in a business suit gets out and we're watching through that front window it's like who is this and he knocks on the door and he wants to see john baker and john do you remember this at all do you remember this 
I'm I'm just trying. Uh, maybe okay. keep going. Okay. And so he comes in and he said, "I'm from the American Embassy," and we're like, "What is going on here?" And he pulls oh. out this letter and he gives it to John. He said, "This is for you." And and it's an official letter on American Embassy stationery. And John, you know, is freaked out. He opens it. And it's like, dear Mr. Baker, we received a call from your mother today, and she's wondering how you're doing. <laughs> Do you remember that? Uh, no, that. I don't. That's I amazing. I remembers it. I, I'm sure. John I'm sure he will. Yeah. He will. Yeah. But we were all freaked out. What is this? Who's this guy? You know, and he, in this fancy car and in a business suit and this official letter. Who died? Somebody wow. died or something. Did he have dark glasses and an earpiece? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the 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 American consul general there in Lahore was really nice to us on a few times, and that was one of them. And he he offered for John to come to the embassy and call on their line on the embassy line, and so John did that. And, wow! But there were a couple other times they helped us with visas. It was pretty mm -hmm. pretty uh pretty um yeah. You know, it just felt like a small town kind of feel. Yeah. yeah. And of course, the time, you know, the time that we were there was right in the middle of the Afghan conflict. Right, right. And, yeah. and so, you, you know, that was, that was major. And, um, and I, remember, I remember a couple of things that happened in my third year there when I was in Islamabad with Cindy. Yeah. And um, um, one was Zeal Haq's funeral. Oh, I, I was gone by then. Yeah. 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 And that happened. That was a major. I mean, that, and I was, I was at his funeral because uh, it was all held at, at the Faisal Mosque in Islamabad. Okay. And there were tens of thousands of people there. Yeah. And, um, and I remember that very vividly um, because, of course, he wow. was, uh, there was all kinds of conjecture about how he died, you know, in a, yeah. in a, yeah. His his helicopter exploded or yeah. something, and um, yeah. Well, they do that sometimes, you know. Helicopters just yeah, explode. Yeah, that <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> just one of those things, you know. Yeah. Like your computer crashing. Your helicopter. Exploded. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, and the second thing was the Odring Camp disaster, and that you know that for us that was a big deal. Okay. That was when the there was a ammunitions dump oh, that was that. between Islamabad and Ralpindi, which uh, there was a fire there. Whether it was sabotage, nobody knows. Yeah. But of course, that's where the Americans would deliver all the arms that were then yeah. sent to, to, um, and they were kept. Can you believe in the in this safe and secure location between two major cities? <laughs> Well, that was the that was the day I was supposed to leave Pakistan, and and David was David. It was a David and John were. You know, it must not have been John, but he was he was with you there, and they were leaving the city. And he said, "I saw people running around," and um, but the luckily the like most of the warheads weren't armed. They were yes. They but the rockets were firing all over the city, and you you they were. You were in the language school, right, when that happened, were you? We were, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah, there was uh, four of us who were part of the team. We were yeah. in the language school and uh, in lessons, actually. Yeah. And we heard, we kept hearing this, um, this, <laughs> what is that? What oh is gosh. that? <laughs> uh. <laughs> 
And so I, I went outside and I'm looking off the balcony, you know, and we're hearing this thing. There's, there's something flying through the air going over, going over the language school. And, and next thing we know, the, the army, because it was an army language school, Oh, okay. The guys, the guys from the Folge, the army guys, they they all came around and they said, everybody needs to go to the back of the building. Okay. And um, so we all went to the back. And you know, I was looking over and I could see across the across the fields from the language school was this big sugar factory. And okay. um and I was looking at the sugar factory and and I said, there's a fire in the sugar factory. And you could see this glowing, you know, behind oh, wow. the sugar factory. And I was thinking, oh, yeah. Wow. And, uh, and uh, I said, there's a fire over there. And that's when the army guys came and said, no, get to the back of the building. Okay. And we went to the back of the building um, in good time because, yeah, these, these fortunately, n- none of them were, were they were all, um, what do you call that? Disarmed. They'd already... They'd not disarmed, but they'd already blown. Oh, they'd so already was, blown. Okay. So it was just basically the, because there'd been a fire, you know, the, the explosive was, was finished in them. Okay. Um, but the casings, like these huge casings of, of bombs, one of them was about six foot long. And we were all standing in the back of, of behind the language school. Yeah. And we're all chatting in groups and that. And uh, I was in this field at the back of the, the language group and the army guys came and said, "No, you need to come against the uh, come against the the uh, the building. Stand yeah. right against the walls." And of course, all the Muslims, you know, they they started praying and they were all yeah. chanting this and that yeah. and the other and yeah. and were frightened. They were very yeah. frightened. We were all treating it like a holiday. Yeah, and, <laughs> and we were just chatting away. Anyway, we came back against the building. Next thing, this huge, massive like six foot long shell of a bomb landed right where we were standing. Really? Really? Yeah. Oh my God. Right where we had been that. standing. And, uh, and, and they finally, they said, you know, something's happened in Audrey camp and mm-hmm. we were all discussing what should we do? You know, should we be running? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, or sh- yeah. you know, yeah. should we <laughs> get out of here? And uh, should, shouldn't we take the school bus and try to get away? And, yeah. and um, there was all kinds of talk going on. Yeah. But everybody decided in the end that, no, we should stay put. And uh, there were some bombs actually hit. One actually hit our classroom. And um, it went through the wall and, and ricocheted around the room. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh. Were you like underneath desks or what were you doing? Were you inside? Like- we were out. We were already oh, were out. out at the back. Okay. Okay. We were at the back because our classroom was at the front of, oh the, of, the, of the language school. Oh. So, uh, and then finally we, we caught a, the bus, the school bus. The, the, they became a lot less frequent. We uh-huh. stopped hearing them whistling overhead and that sort of thing. There were fires in buildings behind us. Because it, the language school was in this big open Medani kind of um, field yeah. kind of area. Okay. And uh, right at the back, there were scattered houses. And one or two of them had a fire start in them. Oh, wow. And um, anyway, 
So finally, they stopped coming over, and we um, got in the school bus, and they said they delivered us back okay. to our home. But on the way back, it was devastating. Some of the busty areas, some of the slum areas, were oh um, had, had bombs dropped in them and had been on fire, oh, and wow. and we saw, you know, like pools of blood on the where people had been hit and carried off and. And wow. um, the first thing we did was we went to Ralpindi Hospital because one of the girls who, who was part of the team was a, um, a doctor. Okay. And so we went to the hospital to see if we could help. Now, this is in 1988. Mm -hmm. and, um, and the hospital was in chaos. There I were just people that. everywhere. I can just and we saw a stretcher being carried in with his, you know, uh, torsos of people that whose head was gone, and oh, there wow. were people there that had all kinds of injuries. Wow! And we went in. We were trying to find somebody to say, "Look, we can help." Um, this lady is a, a doctor, uh, and we got in there, and and we found just chaos really they, they had yeah. no way of handling it yeah there were nurses yeah. all crowded around one bed there were doctors all crowded around another bed you know they weren't utilizing themselves yeah. well yeah yeah inefficient and yeah, yeah. efficiency and, isn't a strong point yeah yeah and and they we were basically told no you you can't help um you know just go home and stay there sort yeah. of thing Okay. So that's what we did. We we ended up having to stay inside for a couple of days because the bombs kept going off. Um, it was only only okay. like intermittently, you know, like maybe maybe every couple of hours one would go, but you never knew where they were going to go and where they would land. Yeah. And um, and there were people being killed up until a week later. It took yeah. a long time for them to put put that under control. Wow. Um, wow. See, but, I remember yeah. Ashraf in, or Naveed, one of the two, maybe they both came to our house. We were living at that point um, someplace else. I can't remember the name of the place, but they came and he had a newspaper. So this must have happened the day before I left. But, it, but anyway, he had a newspaper and it was um, disaster in Islamabad. And he said there, no, that was the day after he came and he'd heard on the radio that this was going on. He said, there's bombs flying all over Islamabad and no one knows where they are from. Uh, mm. uh, and that was uh, very sobering. They were all pretty scared because, yeah, people didn't know where they were coming from. They didn't know. No, I think the camp was secret. So yeah. nobody knew it was there. Yeah. And, um, and uh, of course, now it's infamous, Audrey camp. But... Um, <laughs> right. But yeah, there was, there was a, uh, I think from memory, there was something like a thousand, twelve hundred people killed. That's, a, that's um, just in that incredible. time. Yeah. 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 It, it, you know, something like that happened in Lebanon yesterday, too. Yes. And something yes. blew up like that. Yeah. It wasn't, yes. it wasn't, uh, well, we'll find out how bad it was. Yeah, well, uh, the last I heard is over a hundred dead and yeah, and that's what I heard thousands too. injured injured. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Well, okay. Well, mm -hmm. on that uh, positive note, then. Uh, <laughs> but I think <laughs> I think I think um, 
there's 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 suffering that goes on in situations like that. There's suffering that I would I was just talking to somebody the other day about the theology of suffering and mm-hmm. how how following the path of Jesus always includes suffering. You know, it does. And I, and I, I don't think you look for opportunities to suffer, but I think no. when you following Jesus, those it happens to you. You know, and yes. I think it's important to have an understanding that suffering is part of the Christian life. Because it is. I everybody, and it may be the same for you, but but most of the people that I respect, that I've learned from, that uh, I glean spiritual truth from, have been through significant suffering. Mm. Uh, and and it brings spiritual depth to you when you go through it, it. does yeah. i mean it, you know the wonderful thing is that that when you're following jesus suffering has meaning that's that's important to distinguish yeah. that yes yeah and jesus uh, really is our forerunner you know and and we know that he showed us the way yeah and and really following christ is a way of self-sacrifice yeah yeah, where where we we are willing to give up our freedoms, we are willing to to um, to deny ourselves. Yeah, for this for the sake of being obedient to God. Yeah, um, not that not that God leads us into suffering, but that but well, in a way, He does. You know, Jesus yeah. has led us in a way of suffering. Yeah, but that suffering has such yeah. purpose. Yeah, yeah, it has such purpose and bears such fruit. Mm-hmm. and um and the fruit is always wonderful yeah so yeah so yeah i mean i can't say that i've suffered um greatly not when you see the suffering of some of some of god's right. people right no yeah. and no. even the christians in pakistan and what they suffer you know yeah. it puts me to shame no and i i agree with that and you know Christians that suffer all over the world. I mean, we suffer because I don't know because the AC doesn't work in our church building or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and I th- but I, I don't think we as a in the West understand the concept of suffering uh, well. Mm. And I I don't I don't know that I do to be real honest. But, but uh, I do know that there's something there's a spiritual truth to it because it's the path Jesus followed and, yeah. and God's with us in the suffering, but it's, it's, uh, we got to read, we got to read, I think some of the, some of the literature that comes from our Indian brothers, from our Pakistani right. brothers. Right. Um, and look at, look at them. Uh, only, I only mentioned them because I, you know, those are the examples right. that I know. Right. But, um, but they know what it is to to suffer they know what it is to to be unjustly treated and um and uh they are inspirational i have so much respect for our our south asian brothers and sisters yeah me too Mm. me too i think just just uh i was praying uh, i don't know a few weeks ago and felt like god was saying we need in the west some of those people to come and be with us now because they have such a deep deeper understanding of who god is and the western mm. church has kind of been watered down and mm. we had a we had a well i won't get into that but there there's there's different um there's 
there's there's maturity in some of these these believers in some of these churches in in countries that are not that not hospitable to Christianity. There's there's more maturity with them than there is with a uh, uh, place places where we're free to worship mm. God. Yes, and yes, we can learn from them. Yeah. yeah. One of my, to end on a light note, one of my really favorite memories is uh, me visiting a, a church in Islamabad, um, a Pentecostal church um, that met in a basement of a building. And the room was, um, it was hot, it was summer. And the room, as you know, they, they just crowded. There, there, there was, I don't know, over 100 people in this tiny basement room. Yeah. And um, and the electricity went off <laughs> in the midst of worship, and here I am, the great white missionary, who just just lost it. You know, I, I just couldn't cope. Yeah. With with, I was sweating. I was I couldn't think. It was so hot, mm-hmm. and the Pakistanis were just went on worshiping. They uh, just kept uh. going and joyful and. And it was, um, it was, it just showed me how, how really, really, uh, you know, it, it showed me how much they valued being together and worshiping God. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and how, how little it took to upset my apple cart. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I get upset that the sound system is not working well, you know, or the, the, you know, there's just certain things <laughs> that you, that happen that, that in, in, in my church here in the States, it's like the sound system's not working well. Uh, you know what? He, he needs to talk louder. Um, you know, the, 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 I can't hear the bass guitar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well. Okay. Well, yeah, let's, um, we, we can suffer some more next Sunday when we yeah. have to go to church by Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us today on the YWAM Factor podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. It really helps us out. See you next time.